Hey everyone, uh, before this edition of the podcast, uh, just wanted to warn you, we had a couple of special guests on sound quality, it could be a bit funky at times, hope y'all are able to enjoy it despite that, it could be a bit distracting, but it's a good episode of the pod, so enjoy. Hi everyone, welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Radio, I'm your host Bill DeFilippo, joined by my co-host Nick Polak. Nick, what's going on? Not much, uh... I mean, I guess there's some political things that some people might want to talk about, but we're not going to talk about any of that. Yeah, um, we are actually doing this so we don't have to talk about any of that. It's been a very weird uh, last day or so, and the fact that we can uh, use sports as a way to kind of forget about some of the things that are happening in our country right now, it's it's fun. Uh, we decided that, you know, this week's Indiana week, Penn State, Indiana, it's going to be a weird game. It's punt week. Uh, the battle for field position trophy is on the line. So what better than to go over to our friends at Crimson Quarry, get two of them, and get them talking about the Hoosiers. We're going to break this team down a little bit, talk about just a couple of things around their program, talk about this game specifically. Then we're going to, of course, give our Big Ten predictions for this weekend. Uh, we're actually going to start with talking about this game uh, just because Nick has to split but uh, yeah, let's let's uh, introduce our guests. Might as well be uh, nice and hospitable. So first off, from Crimson Quarry, Mr. Kyle Robbins. Kyle, uh, it's nice to have you on Skype. Hey, Bill. I know it took only like what fifty minutes, I think, to finally get me on the line. But I'm here, and I'm here to actually make your podcast worse. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah, uh, there's something I could say right now, but I'm not going to do that because instead I'm just going to introduce the other Crimson Quarry guest that we have on this edition of the pod, Mr. Ben Rafel. Ben, what's going on? Hey guys, how you doing? It is um, actually not too not too cold here in um, Boston for a mid-November evening. So that's like the one you know thing that's keeping me going right now. I was going to say, that is, that is the most beautiful use of scenery that we have ever had on the podcast. So, uh, good job, Ben, setting a scene, really getting us uh, in the mind of what it's like to be you right now. Uh, but yeah, let's, uh, let's just dive right in uh, really quickly, talking about this game in particular, and then making our predictions for it, just because Nick has to split uh, with some other stuff that he is going on. Uh, Penn State. Which I will note is only because we're starting this podcast 55 minutes later than we planned on doing. Technically, we started it 53 minutes later, and then we were just doing intro stuff. Neither here nor there. Penn State traveling out to play Memorial Stadium, Bloomington, Indiana. It's a noon kick. Uh, it's going to be on either ABC or ESPN2. The Hoosiers, uh, very fun team, very... Uh, for a, a bystander like myself, a very interesting team. The team is currently 5-4 and four on the year. Uh, they've taken down Florida International, Ball State, Michigan State, Maryland, and Rutgers. Fell to Wake Forest, Ohio State, Nebraska, and Northwestern. So a pretty, uh, a pretty tough slate of losses on that schedule. Of course, we're hoping that Penn State's going to be the next one. Our friends are going to hope that uh, Indiana's going to be able to get their first S&P plus top 70 win. On the game. Uh, Kyle, I want to start with you. Just very simply, what does Indiana do well? (laughs) 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 Oh, my God. You you idiot. Why why do you pose it that way? Like, you know better than this. You know better than this. What does Indiana do well? This is like, all right, I'm, old grandpa here has got got to crack nails. I got to sit down here, sit down for a long story here, son. 
Well, what does Indiana football do well? That's find a way to lose games when they absolutely should not. Um, obviously, you all know um, the, the plight, the, the story of Indiana football in recent history, especially under the Kevin Wilson era. And that is lots of offense, little defense, um, lots of really stupid. I don't know if I can cuss on this podcast, so I'm just going to say stuff. Um, uh, and just weird. That's what it does well is really weird. But of course, if I'm if I'm actually going to try to attempt to answer this question with some sense of like football credibility and and like I said, not make this podcast as actively bad as I make my own. Um, <laughs> Indiana is a football team that has improved so immensely on the defensive side of the football. Um, with what Tom Allen's done coming in from South Florida, coming to Indiana, coming to Bloomington, an Indiana native, a guy that was at Ben Davis High School in Indianapolis for a while, um, eventually wandered around the South, ended up as a linebacker's coach at Ole Miss under U Freeze, um, really turned that linebacking core around, took the D.C. job for a year at South Florida, Turned that defense around, jumped them up about 50 spots in S&P, um, helping Willie Taggart get to an 8-4 and four season in a bowl game last year at South Florida. And now then coming into Indiana and what he's done with this defense and taking Indiana from uh, the team that you laugh at and, and almost assuredly know that it's going to be some sort of 50-50 football game um, to now this team um, that is some semblance of a football team when it chooses to be. But you have to keep in mind that Indiana is performance art rather than football. Um, this is a football team that can throw the ball on you. This is a team that can move it downfield in big chunks. Um, Richard Lagow has has an arm. Um, that's what we'll call it. I like to say that he has a little bit more arm than he can handle. Um, uh, it's That ends up often in situations of, overthrows, overcooked slant routes. Um, it, it's very drunk Ryan Mallody. Like it, it like <laughs> instead of it's like the summer of Mallet Ryan Mallet actually playing quarterback. You are and that's nothing my language, friend. Like like swinging uh, I'm not gonna call him that. Again, this is a, probably a family podcast. Rich Lagow, Richard Lagow, um, <laughs> who's large, um, at six foot seven and wears the, the number twenty one. He's the perfect quarterback for a stupid Indiana football team like this. Um <laughs> But has a tendency to overcook throws. Um, Indiana's offensive line is not the strength that probably we thought it would be. Um, Dan Feeney's had to shift over the All-American right guard. Um, now down th- at least three to four players off their offensive line from last year. Um, Jason Spriggs' replacement, Brandon Knight, is already out for the season. Um, so what's there really hinges so much on what Dan Feeney can do and how he can basically raise the level of play for a lot of freshmen and a lot of sophomores on that line next to him now. Um, at the skill positions on, on offense, Indiana's always been good under Kevin Wilson, has continued to be. Um, but it's a matter – the story of Indiana's season has been um, not so much what they've done well because I don't really think this is a team that does anything particularly great. Um, this is a team that does a lot of things okay to good. Um, which is a completely different team than what Indiana's ever been. Like, it's always been this situation of, holy sh- hell, they score a lot of points. Um, not not the S word. Um, holy hell, they score a lot of points, but then they're unable to, you know, defend. They can't get a stop late, whatever. This is kind of just a team that, like, eh, they can, they're not going to probably give up more than, um, 
you know, they're going to hold a team like Penn State, I would say, to under 30 points, even though this is a potent offense that I've seen, which is still weird to me to say about Penn State. Um, <laughs> How do you think you feel? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. But, yeah, this is a team that it really this Indiana team, I still to this date, I don't have a big feel for it. Um, it, it it's very – Indiana fans get mad at me on a routinely week-in, week-out basis. Ben gets mad at me. Um, because the same thing happens. Anyone can go ahead. Indiana leads it ha- or leads early, blows blows lead in the second quarter. This is the hundred fourth best in the country in the second quarter. Um, Alex Lakes, I give this lecture at halftime about how Indiana is doing a bunch of stuff, and sometimes it doesn't happen in the second half. Sometimes you play Wake Forest, throw a six pick. I get really mad. At halftime, a- at halftime at every game, I am furious. <laughs> that uh, was a really long answer. I didn't even answer the question that you asked. I, I ranted for five minutes and did not give you an answer. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's and fine. And I just spouted off for like, well, here's all my grievances with Indiana football. But anyway, go on. Yeah. I, um, think, I think the fact that Indiana you did that answers right the now. question. Yeah, so um, – that was um, an interesting question. So, Ben, I'm going to – you know what? I don't even care how you answer this one. And I'm actually very glad now that I think about it, I did not ask Kyle this. But what does Indiana do poorly? So what, what do they do poorly? Um, I think the major thing that they do poorly is their, in, is their inconsistency. And they just aren't uh, – consistent team week to week and I think that's something that has just been troubling them since um, especially since the Wake game um, the first the first couple games were sort of um, I mean even the first game against FIU they were down heading into the fourth quarter um, but uh, regardless that game ended up being sort of a cakewalk um, second game was a cakewalk uh, but then um, you know you get to the Wake game and um, Richard Lego is thrown for 500 yards, uh, but he also threw for five picks and just um, a fr- frustrating performance. And then, like, a, for example, Maryland, um, we rolled out a Xander Diamant, um, Tyler Nate <laughs> offensive package. Oh, and you know how um, to for, those who, for those who are not familiar, um, Xander Diamant, he is our um, junior quarterback. He jumped in as a true freshman two years ago to start when Nate Southfield went down for the season. Against um, Penn State. Oh, that's right. Um, oh, yeah, that, was the game now, that, that was the game that spawned punt week. That, that, that was the game that spawned punt week. That's right. 20 punts, final score 13-7. to seven. <laughs> um, I believe the article, the game rap I wrote for the quarry that week was called This Game Happened. And um, <laughs> um, Yeah, so, but yeah, against the Maryland against Maryland, they brought this offensive package, um, dual threat QB, well, sort of wildcat QB, not really dual threat, Xander Diamant, and um, our 270-pound running back, Tyler Nady, oh. just um, run wild over Maryland. And um, we won that game 42-36. That, it felt, felt real good. It was one we needed. It was like after two um, disappointing um, offensive performances – um, to see that was great. And then um, against Rucker, the 
this right Rutger, not Rutgers. <laughs> um, the Diamant Nate package sort of falls flat, um, and Indiana doesn't really get its offensive footing until the second half. And yeah, that's another thing about the team. Um, a lot of in the past couple of years, IU has not really, in my opinion, not really been like a fourth quarter team offensively, um, or maybe they just end up being in these like pinball games in the fourth quarter. But you know, this year they seem to really hit their stride in the fourth quarter offensively. Even if they're like they, they're not doing anything thing first three quarters, then finally they're putting it together that that last that last frame. So there's just some offensive inconsistency. And you know, as Kyle mentioned, the defense under Tom Allen a lot better, but still some inconsistency. I think we gave up a ton of run rush yards to Maryland. Um, I know somehow Rutger put 27 on us, even though I thought the, de- the defense at one point, I think like um, on 17 plays had let up 10 yards or on 10 plays had let up 17 yards, something like that yeah, the, at the, one the, point during the second half. So there's just a lot. I don't know. The, I'd, so to answer your question, inconsistency. That's uh, Consistency is something Indiana does poorly. Okay. Kyle, you sound like you wanted to say something right there. Do you yeah, want to yeah. Like a couple things that are probably important if you haven't watched any football this season, like and actually trying to answer these questions both seriously and concisely. Um, Indiana's a football team that I think this entire Indiana Penn State game, if you want to distill it into one single data point for how this is going to play out, is how many times can Indiana convert trips inside the 40 into points? Um, you can go back to my timeline. Twitter.com slash Kyle R. Robbins on Twitter. Definitely go follow me. Um, <laughs> self-plug. Um, anyway, but if you can go back to last week and you can go through and follow me, tweet the number of times that Indiana entered inside the Rutgers 32. And yes, I tacked on two yards to the stat at one point just to make the stat sound better, but whatever. Um, Indiana went 10 times inside the, the Rutgers 32 um, in a row without, without scoring a point. Not a single point. Yeah. Um, and that's, yeah, and, and you can talk about red zone offense and blah, 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 and converting to touchdowns. Um, but Indiana's kicking game, um, Griffin Oaks, former victim kicker of the year, has been hurt this year. He's clearly shook. Like, I mean, dude's, dude's shanking seven irons from, from 150 in the middle of the fairway right now. Like, this is a mess. Um, poor kids clearly got some cobwebs upstairs. And you underestimate not having that kicking game especially from a kid that had a long of almost 60 yards in his career, not having that and how that takes points off the board. That's been killing Indiana in recent weeks. So that's one thing to keep an eye on. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, Bill Conley's stats right now. And uh, by his finishing drives metric, Indiana's uh, offense is 126 in the nation. uh, Points per trip inside the 43.32. So, yeah. if uh, Oh, my God. Yeah. I would very much appreciate it. Yeah, it's that it's that red zone inconsistency. Yeah, what what I mean, what happens when they get down there? Is it just like everyone forgets what they're doing? Is the play calling a little bit? Does it get a little bit too weird? Like, what's the deal? In in, in the most, like I said, without giving you a case study on Indiana football, the situation is this is a team. Um, Kevin Wilson coaches best in space. Um, his yeah. offense is designed yeah. to play in space, and this has been a problem. It's just manifesting itself more this year. And, and Kevin Wilson is a great football coach for Indiana. 
Um, I think a brilliant football coach and brilliant offensive mind. Um, but when this, always when this team, it's been more magnified always throughout his tenure. Um, they've struggled from the red zone this year, especially um, not having a quarterback that I believe the offensive coaching staff really trusts um, down there creates problems. Not having an offensive line that is the quality they are used to has created problems. You can't, run the you can't throw inside slants when you have a quarterback who can't tune your arm down, arm down. You can't run the ball inside when you don't have Kevin Coleman or Jordan Howard and All-Americans up all along up front. Um, it's different, and I don't think Indiana's ever figured out any sort of um, safety blanket, rather, um, that they can reliably give someone the ball down around the red zone and feel comfortable that they're not going to turn it over and turn that points into points for Ohio State or Rutgers or whoever has scored um, defensive touchdowns on Indiana. Been a lot. Right, and to, um, I just think sometimes like in the red zone, especially within the 10, the, the play calling gets like a little too conservative, a little too predictable, and I, know, I think it is sort of go, goes off of this idea of not entirely trusting the, the QB, but um, I just think, you know, we get into these um, goal-to-go situations and the defense seems to know what's coming every time. And we've had, a tr- had trouble, um, especially converting fourth downs. Um, it's been an issue for Indiana this season. Interesting. All right, uh, so um, let's, uh, let's go to Nick for a sec. Nick, when you look at these two teams... How do you see Penn State winning this football game? Kind of similarly to what we've been saying the last two weeks with Purdue and with Iowa, and that's starting fast. So looking at the uh, S&P numbers, Indiana looks to be uh, a very good second-half team. Uh, Third quarter, fourth quarter offense, S&P, they're number 26, number 8, and on defense, they're 19 and 26. Um, Penn State is better in the second half uh, but at this point Penn State's kind of better in most areas statistically but if Penn State comes out sleepy against Indiana like they did against Purdue and they allow the because if if you come out sleepy against Indiana even even though they have their problems they're not gonna let you stick around like Purdue did like they could they're a team that can go up on you so if Penn State lets them I don't know if if they can't keep it within like 10 points by halftime like if indiana opens up a lead on them then i'd be a little worried especially because this is indiana they might not be on the same level at penn state in the second half but they're pretty damn close and if the nittany lions come out i mean it's possible they come out sleepy like they did against purdue i mean kind of the same situation coming off a night game coming off a huge win but in a slightly different way not quite as emotional as the ohio state win um but it's definitely a ripe opportunity for a letdown spot. So if this team is not able to start fast, then I'm a little bit worried if I'm a Penn State fan, Yeah, which uh, I am. So I would ah, be. Interesting. Yeah, as am I. Yeah, so it's big development. It, it's interesting how that works out, Nick. We host the podcast for Penn State, and we like the team. Uh, so, Ben, I'll go to you uh, with this question. Then, Kyle, I'll go to you to give a prediction. Uh, give the first prediction in this. Uh, ben, how does Indiana win this game? How does Indiana win this game? That that is a good question. Um, I think really it, um, as we mentioned, finishing 
drives in the red zone. If if um, the Hoosiers can can get there, I think um, if they can get some big plays, especially um, when it comes to finding Nick Westbrook, who's been a joy to watch at wide receiver this year and really a big play guy for the for the Hoosiers, if they were able to get him open, um, that that it would be great. And then obviously the other thing is um, stopping Saquon Barkley. I had a chance to um, attend the Purdue versus Penn State game. Oh, believe it or not, I was you know in, in I was in Indiana with grads with friends from grad school. We all went up for to West Lafayette for the for the day and watched um, Saquon Barkley just run rampant over Purdue. And obviously, Indiana's defense is better this year. And you know if they they're able to to stop Barkley, which few teams have done this year, and you know dare. Fit, Trace McSorley to um, to pass it. I think um, our our secondary has improved this year. We one of the guys, especially um, he's a true freshman. His name is Marcelino Ball. If he's able to make some plays um, and are able to contain Barkley and are able to finish drives, I think that's um, one way that the Hoosiers can win it. I think otherwise it's just um, you know twelve twelve noon game Saturday. It's um, you know, I think some general weirdness might yeah. have to happen in that, and I think that is um, sort of been a theme of um, IU Penn State games in the past few years, especially the um, the punt game two years ago, the game in which um, Indiana's defense really had a great day the yeah. one time in 2013. That yep. the, I think that was the first time Indiana ever beat Penn State. That so was... just some general weirdness. Yeah, that was um, needs, that, that, needs to happen. That 2013 game is the only. Penn State road game that I've ever been to. It was, yeah, I remember just sitting there. I had a friend who, uh, he's a friend of mine from Penn State. He had to take his LSATs, uh, but he also didn't want to miss the game, so he took the LSATs at Indiana. And he ended Oh, that's, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah, he ended up walking in um, into the stadium at halftime, and he saw that either Indiana was winning or it was a close game, and he said something that I'm not allowed to repeat on the podcast. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, good time. Uh, yeah, I'm very interested in what Indiana's uh, rushing defense is going to be able to do uh, against Barkley, Indiana 23rd in uh, defensive rushing S&P+. Plus. Should be a fun matchup there, Kyle. Let's, uh, the first prediction for this game, let's get it out of you. Sorry, I'm eating fried rice. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, no, it's good. Um... Prediction-wise, like, okay, so that means you're asking me for a concise answer that I should put this shit up and not not really rationalize, um, which is a fun of making a nice prediction. Um, if I, all right, just gonna, I'm just gonna throw a couple little bits of knowledge at you before I preface this. One, Indiana really, really bad at noon games starting recently. They've been able to recover against bad teams or teams that can't score offensive points. I know Western. Um, <laughs> a team that is hot and ranks the top, top 10 in CFP that presents problems. Um, here's how Indiana wins this football game. Uh, Rich, Richard Lago turns it over. Um, the Cubs win the World Series. Donald Trump uh, becomes president. Um, Indiana wins a close fourth game against the CFP top 10 team. Finally. I don't know. Um, the world's weird. Clearly. Um, yeah, if you're putting me if you're putting me gun to head for a score, um, 
uh, Penn State 29, Indiana 24. Oh, that's weird. That, that's Is that weird? No, no, that requires a field goal. Indiana 22, 29, 22. <laughs> I'm here for that. All right. Uh, ben, uh, let's go over to you. Let's get a prediction for this one. Um, one, one thing I, I'll say is that um, Joe Moorhead has been one of the best coordinator hires um, for any Big Ten team this year, along I, with, I think, Tom Allen yeah. and um, probably um, D- Don Brown at Michigan. And as much as I hate to say it, probably, maybe even Shiano at Ohio State. All been great coordinator hires. Uh, so I think, um, I, I, think, um, the, I think Penn State will be able to score um, – my prediction is 35-21 Nittany Lions. All right. And, Nick, uh, before you depart for the night, let's, uh, let's get your thoughts. So the S&P projected margin is 11.3 points. That sounds kind of right to me. I, I do think Penn State comes out um, not at 100%. I think the defense probably lets Indiana score early. Offense maybe takes a drive or two to get going. But I think ultimately Penn State is too talented and uh, is frank- is coached too well right now. I mean, along with Joe Moorhead, it wasn't a splashy hire because it was just a promotion. But Brent Pride to defense coordinator has been he's been unbelievable. Like yeah. what he's done with a defense that was decimated by injuries and then just the boy they flipped a switch when he got those guys back is pretty incredible so i expect defense to be on um i think i actually kind of like the prediction i made for the for last week's game for the iowa game and i'm going to stick with that one i'm going to say 29 17 penn state all right awesome uh nick has to go right now uh so i'll give my prediction after he says bye to everyone Yes, I need, and I will say I'm currently sending Bill one-liners to make my Big Ten predictions, so you'll hopefully still get those if he decides to read them. Yes, I will. But before I, go, <laughs> before I go, I need to end with my signature sign-off. Bertuzzi lives. <laughs> <laughs> All right, catch you later, buddy. Bye, Nick. All right. Now that Nick is gone, let's uh, just talk about the Indiana football program right now. It's one of the more interesting programs to me uh, in the Big Ten, uh, mostly because of this first question. And uh, Ben, I'll send this one to you. Uh, people generally, I, I sorry, uh, the program generally seems like it's close to being something. I don't know what that something is. So what do you want this program to be? Do you want it to be a Big East contender? Uh, not a Big East, a Big Ten East contender. Uh, do you want it to be uh, a conference title contender? Do you want it to be a playoff contender? Like, What is the five-year plan for Indiana football? Oh, what do I, what do I want this team to be? I, in a perfect world, I want it to be a, a playoff contender. I want it... I want to go um, 11-1, 10-2 every year. But the reality is that isn't um, really attainable right now for Indiana football. Maybe down the road, um, maybe. and But maybe not in a time when Michigan and Ohio State, two teams that Indiana has to play every year, are basically in an arms race in the Big Ten East. And it's going to be... Um, 
it's going to be either them or you know if Penn State keeps this trajectory up, it might it might be them. But I would say for the foreseeable future, probably one of those three teams in the um, winning the Big Ten East year after year. So I think um, honestly, it's, if we can get a, a consistent um, team going to ball games, I think that is the goal for Indiana, and I think it's it's starting to happen. Um, we need one more victory to show ourselves of Indiana's um, second straight bowl season for the first time in 25 years. Um, and so that would really be um, nice up, upward trajectory, just positive feeling for Indiana that we can get you know back-to-back bowl games. Obviously, the pinstripe bowl was, despite the ending in which the kick was good, it was kick incredibly was fun. It was incredibly... Fun game and you know, fun chance to see Indiana um, play in a 13th game. Uh, at least for the, I've I haven't been a, I haven't been an IU football fan as long as Kyle has. So it was the first time I ever saw them in a bowl game. So that was just an, an awesome feeling. So um, I mean, hopefully the uh, Kevin Wilson is able to continue to make recruiting inroads within the state and within other um, areas such as um, uh, such as Ohio, as Ohio. I know um, T. Gray Scales is from Cincinnati and he's one of our best players on on defense. Um, so I believe Marcus Oliver is too. I believe they're both from Cincinnati and so they're making yeah. some inroads there and um, Tom Allen has connections to um, to the Tampa St. Pete area which is obviously another football recruiting hotbed so being able to um, steal these um, sort of under-the-radar three-star recruits from places um, could really be um, something that Indiana keeps doing well. But, I mean, ultimately, being able to, um, you know, continue to be fourth in the, at least, you know, fourth, fifth in the Big Ten East every year, um, able to win these win a, a few conference games a year. Obviously, this is a down year for Michigan State. Um, personally, I think they're sort of... Yeah. I, I sort of think they're one of the hardest teams to predict. Like, obviously, they made the playoffs last year. D'Antonio's had a lot of success there. But, I mean, this year and going... This year just not... is obviously just a real, real bad yeah. um, year for them. And, and just with Harbaugh in the state and... And Urban Meyer um, in, in Columbus, it's just going to get tougher and tougher for them each year. So who knows where where they're going in the future? But I mean, just the um, I mean, the unfortunate fact of the matter is Indiana is in the Big Ten East, and until um, Jim Delaney decides to expand the Big Ten again, or he mixes up the divisions, or gets rid of divisions, which is my personal preference, I think it's going to be tough to get the Hoosiers above um, the seven and eight win mark. Every year, you sound, and I'm not going to. I don't think surprise anyone because this is the comparison that's always made. You sound like a Penn State basketball fan right now. We don't want, you know, we want to win titles and all that, but we know that just getting to the NIT and just getting to the NCAA tournament for now are really, really cool goals and just stuff that we'd like to do. Uh, but it's a process, and we're going to sit here and trust yeah. it. Um, and Kyle, this question's for you. Uh, when we think of Indiana football's process, of course, think of Kevin Wilson. Uh, what do people who are fans of the program think of Kevin Wilson? 
I mean, the dude's had no winning seasons, obviously, but the program seems to have an upward trajectory. It seems to be one of the programs on the rise in the Big Ten, uh, starting to make some recruiting inroads uh, in places where you wouldn't expect Indiana to show up. So what are just the general thoughts of Indiana fans of Wilson? Um. What the general fans' perspective on Kevin Wilson are, um, first, I would say, just kind of make a general wanking motion in that direction. Um, <laughs> of the nature, you know, some of these people are the same people that scream, Crane, after everything. So, I mean, we're <laughs> dealing with here. Um, but it's honestly like, I will say, and I've thought about this, you know, when I parsed the CQ mentions, when when the inevitable trash fire of an Indiana football second quarter is playing out, <laughs> often, um, and there's less, there's less fire to the coach, um, probably than I've ever seen with Indiana football right now. Um, and I, you know, I, I am not old by any stretch, but I am an Indiana football lifer. Um, I grew up outside Bloomington. You know, my dad played for a very short time at the university. Like I have. I, Indiana football has been a birthright for me. It is the thing. If you gave me one title in any sport, is it is Indiana football. I am one of like probably six people on earth um, that looks forward to Indiana football season more than Indiana basketball season. That's mainly because I'm weird and I should be thrown in some sort of prison and locked away. <laughs> um, having said that, I think, um, and, and I try to look at Indiana football. I try to recuse my fandom when I when I look at this and when I honestly sit down and say. Um, take an assessment of Indiana football, take the balls. I think you, you can't be better positioned for the way that Indiana could possibly have the highest level of success going forward than with a coach like Kevin Wilson. Because, and I think I compare Indiana to a lot of the problems you've seen in Purdue. And depending on where Purdue's going to go with this coaching hire, kind of gives you an idea of what it's like to try to win college football games in Indiana in the Big Ten. You can either – you have to zig when everyone else zags. And I just made a Sam Hickey re- reference, and now I have to throw myself down my stairwell head first. <laughs> um, you do. Like, like, in that sense, like in Indiana, when you are in Indiana or you are a, you are a Purdue, and I, and I have looked this up over time, you have to zig when everyone else zags. Um, it's the way that you have success if you're not a traditional power. Um, Indiana's never going to do it on recruiting – they're not going to be able to go beat Michigan in the trenches. They're not going to be able to out-athlete Ohio State. But they can out-scheme. And they can recruit on playing a fun brand of football. Indiana does, I think, right now, have some, I say this a little bit facetiously, but not totally. Indiana football has a little bit of something of a national brand right now. Like, you're kind of, for whatever reason, and I don't know, you know, I've spent today in particular thinking about a lot of confirmation bias on the internet and the circles that we listen to feedback in for a lot of different reasons, but that applies in football and college football as well. Um, in the spaces that we all hang out with Indiana football, you know, I don't know if that translate outside, you know, of weird college football, Twitter. Um, but everyone kind of looks around and goes, Oh, Oh shit. Indiana. Um, you know, Indiana's got Ohio state on the ropes again in third quarter, fourth quarter. Like it's kind of fun and weird. Um, yeah, that kind of, yeah, chaos team. Like, that's kind of how you build some sort of – and I'm going to sound like Ravel now. I want to punch myself <laughs> in the face. Darren. Um, that's how you kind of build a brand. You build a brand that way. Uh, 
get fan interest, to get players interest in coming to school. And I think Indiana has had a place for Kevin Wells. It's fun to watch. I look forward to Saturdays in a way that I've never looked forward to Indiana football Saturdays before. Um, I'm going to go into Saturday thinking this is a game Indiana, Indiana can win. That's something that's completely new to Indiana football. Um, having a shot to win probably every week when you go in or having a belief that you can um, is probably new to Indiana football within the last 20, 24 to 36 months. Um, Kevin Wilson's the right guy for the job long term. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, uh, we've talked about this on the pod. You know, we're not doing everything we can to get Pat Narduzzi uh, to the university or to Purdue <laughs> University. Like, working diligently with you guys to make that dream a reality. Uh, well, actually, you know, the new thing now is Notre Dame uh, because Notre Dame is 3-6, and, six, and uh, Brian Kelly is going to be very unemployed soon. Neither here nor there. But we talk about Purdue. We always talk about how they have to go out and they have to get uh, – like people say P.J. Fleck. Well, P.J. Fleck would be the – hire that probably makes the most sense like geographically, but there's no reason for him to take a job at Purdue when he can get a much more high profile job. He Purdue is to go after some dude who like runs the air raid or who runs some kind of weird, funky offense that is able to say, yeah, we don't have the best players, but we're going to do things to put points on the board and keep ourselves in this game. Like we've, I mean, we've even kind of jokingly mentioned Ken Niumatololo just because he would be so different, even though running the triple option in the Big Ten would probably be a disaster. You want a name? Yeah. Bob Stitt. I'm dead serious. Oh, I'm God, dead. Purdue, Purdue should hire Bob Stitt. I I'm agree. not kidding at all. I agree. I think everyone should hire Bob Stitt, though, so I'm very biased. Purdue football has, to, like, and especially, you know, I, I um, my, my girlfriend has a lot of Um <laughs> I think it changes things. The academic profile, the athlete you recruit, it shapes things a little differently. All right, Kyle, I'm going to cut you off for one second because you keep going in and out. But yes, uh, yeah, we'll just say that I agree with you on Bob Stitt. He would be a very fun hire. But yeah, like, Indiana is the same way. Like, it had to go out. It had to get a guy in Kevin Wilson who he's going to think of things a little bit unconventionally. And at a school like Indiana, you need to go get a guy who has coached offenses in Oklahoma and who has some Big Ten experience being at Northwestern and is given the time to kind of turn Indiana from uh, a program that everyone laughs at to a program that can win these six, seven, eight, maybe even nine games consistently. So it's a fun team. It's a team that I love watching uh, very much. Like Kyle said, they have that national brand. Uh, For my prediction, I think Penn State is going to beat them. Something like 28-24. I think both teams are going to be able to Put a cup, put some points up, but nobody's able to really go wild. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, it's time to put that game to bed and now do the silliest part of the af- evening and pick some Big Ten games for this weekend. Um, oh yeah, baby! Oh yeah, here's where it gets weird. This actually, we'll start off by getting very weird 
noon BTN in East Lansing. Rutgers goes to Michigan State. Rutgers, I'm sorry, Ben. Rutgers goes to Michigan oh, State. Yes. Um, oh, yeah. Do you have a single opinion on this game other than you can't wait to not watch it? Um, So la- last February, one night I was bored and like, oh, and what – Owen oh, 15 Rutgers was playing Owen oh, 15 Minnesota in basketball and I yes. decided to live, live tweet it and I actually just had a, a lot of fun with it and just and for, for a while and then it ended up being like a blowout and I stopped watching like midway through the second half but for like the first 30 minutes of that game it'd be fun I will not be able to, to do that this time um, so I hope someone is able to, to live tweet it um, I just think you know as much as we make fun of um Rucker on the Crimson Glory blog, I think it'd be hilarious to see them beat Michigan State. And they've looked better with their new QB. I was going to say, it's been hilarious watching everyone beat Michigan State to the point that Nick actually thinks Rucker ends up winning this game. Um, and I think that's mostly because he just he's just having so much fun picking against Michigan State every week. But uh, He sent me, I quite literally cannot wait to have this game on the other TV screen during the Penn State IU game last week. We saw party reach a new low when they lost to Illinois, and I'm super interested to see exactly how further down they can dive down into the depths of the Big Ten. Um, Yeah, Kyle, do you have any thoughts on this game at all? Uh, No, no, everyone knows me except I'm down. All right, cool. Uh, yeah, I'm actually uh, cheering for our friends in Piscataway this week because... Yo, are one of you, like, podcasting from, like, the kitchen of a restaurant or something? Um, ben, is I, that you? I'm, yeah, I'm at a, I'm at a restaurant. Ah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I heard people, like, Screaming, and I was like, what the hell's going on? But yeah, that makes sense. All right. Listen, I don't mind it. It adds ambiance, certainly. It makes it feel like we're we're listening to music or something. Oh, and this is a um, noise in the background. This, this is um, Peak, Peak Cambridge. It's a, um, 20, it was a 24-hour vegetarian restaurant. And I am by no means a vegetarian, but it was the place that was open 24 hours. And I was able to sit inside. It's called Clover. <laughs> if you're ever in... The Boston area, so yeah, uh, that's where I—that's where I was. This podcast is starting to go exactly the way that I anticipated it to go, which I'm very happy oh, but, about. That man, we can—we can get it. We can make it so much worse. Uh, here, we let's can. start by predicting this week's game between Northwestern and Purdue, Kyle. Oh, buddy, North. Oh, oh, guys, Northwestern's going to lose this game. Northwestern's going to lose this football game. This is for my friend Ben Gorin at Inside NU, who's no longer at Inside NU. Um, and, and I've seen him say this, so I can say it. Um, Northwestern's 100% losing to Purdue. Um, I, I have been standing alone on this rock all season. Purdue's not awful. Yeah. I'm not saying they're – Purdue's not, like, deplorably terrible. They're going to win, like, one more Big Ten game. I think they sweep the state of Illinois – I have no compelling reason for this. I don't know. I think Purdue beats Northwestern. I'm going to laugh a lot about it. Yeah, I mean, Purdue can put some points up on teams when that offense is able to get going. I mean, the first half against Penn State, they looked really, really good. Although, I mean, there are plenty of reasons to think that Penn State was just having a post-Ohio State hangover. They are able to put some points up on the road in Minnesota. Northwestern, um, they're... 
I, I think that we see that, you know, you know, they're four and five. Um, three of their five loss, four of their five losses even, will give them Western Michigan, make a ton of sense. And then there's that 9-7 loss to Illinois State. But they've played well against teams that aren't in the top 40 of S&P Plus. Um, Purdue is decidedly not in the top 40 of S&P Plus. Um, so, yeah, like, I, I have nothing to lose. I'll take the Boilermakers from Nick. Uh, I want so, so badly for this to be the week Northwestern comes back down to earth. Coming off of losses to Ohio State and Wisconsin, I feel like they may be, they might be losing steam. On the other hand, Purdue was so much closer to beating Minnesota last week than the scoreboard indicated with the raucous West Lafayette crowd behind them. I'm calling it for the Boilermakers. Um, yeah, I mean, I just really am not a huge Pat Fitzgerald fan. So, uh, Ben, what do you think? Pat Fitzgerald has a great um, Spoonerism name. It's Fat, Fat Fitzgerald. Um, I think per, I think Purdue is really at this point they're able to put together like a good half, and then they just sort of fall off in the second half. So I think it'll be like tied at fourteen at at the end of the first half, and people there's start to start to say like, oh, this could be the week Purdue does it, and um, Northwestern will win thirty-one to fourteen. Oh, that sucks. Oh, well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Moving on, Illinois at Wisconsin. Nick, his write-up is meh. And then he says Wisconsin wins 34-17. I agree with that wholeheartedly. I wish I could care about this game at all. Um, I do not find Wisconsin and its brand of grown man football interesting. I'd much prefer, you know, Burt's version of it or Stanford's version of it when Stanford has a quarterback and an offensive line that is capable of blocking. But when it's Wisconsin, I just don't have that much fun watching it for whatever reason. Uh, I think mostly because those offenses are capable of putting up like 500 yards and doing funky stuff. Where with Wisconsin, it's like we hand the ball off, we go four yards. We hand the ball off, we go four yards. We throw for the remaining two yards, first down, and just over and over and over, and it's terrible. Uh, yeah, I hate Wisconsin. They're going to beat Illinois. Uh, whatever. Uh, ben, do you have a a take on this one? Yeah, we talked a little about this before the show. I think the final score will be Wisconsin 14, Illinois 10, in a game that will never actually really be close. Yeah. All right. What about uh, you, Kyle? Uh, next, skip. Okay. Skip, skip to end. Okay. Uh, here, here's a game we Skip all that want, one. Okay, here's a game we all want to talk about. Ohio State going to Maryland. Um, <laughs> I mean, we all agree that Ohio State is just going to go like Old Testament on them, right? Yeah. Um. Uh, uh, like, I, I'm... I don't know. Like, I like I, I, I saw Ohio State suck a lot. Like, obviously, Bill, Bill you've seen Ohio State suck up close. Yes. Uh, very close. I, I watched them. The Indian-Ohio State game was not a 38-17 game. Um, I'll have six guys, like, in my mentions, like, LeBron, go, go Bucks. Um, <laughs> uh, you lost, loser. 52-3. Go Bucks! 2012 champs. When did they? 2014. I don't know. I'm screaming like <laughs> in my bedroom by myself. Um. Anyway, I don't know. I don't think Ohio State's that good. I'm just gonna throw it out there. They, I don't think they should be in the playoff. I didn't think that the year they won the national championship game. Um. I still stand by that. You should win the playoff. Whatever. Um. 
They're going to be, yep. yeah, they're going to be Maryland by 30. I'm going to give up on trying to rationalize this. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, Bye. So Nick and I, one thing that we've discussed this year is that uh, we think that whenever Ohio State plays, well, for, yeah, well, when whenever Michigan plays a team after Ohio State does, or whenever Ohio State plays a team after Michigan does, they're going to let that game set the bar for them going into it. Uh, because Urban Meyer wants to one-up Jim Harbaugh as much as possible, and Jim Harbaugh wants to one-up Urban Meyer as much as possible. <laughs> so last week, uh, Maryland had to go uh, to Michigan, and they lost 59-3, to which, I mean, I don't think anyone's too terribly surprised by that. So I think Ohio State's going to gun to put some points up on them. I agree uh, with you, uh, Kyle, Ohio State just recently hasn't really impressed me. Like I was really, really high on them, especially after they beat up on Oklahoma. Uh, but I, that's kind of tapered off after you know the loss to Penn State and the uninspiring performance against Northwestern. Uh, but yeah, I'll uh, I'll end up taking uh, Ohio State to win this one fairly comfortably, mostly because I believe in angry Urban Meyer, as does Nick, because he said. Now that it appears as if Ohio State has remembered how to play offense, I think we're ready to jump back into the one-up game between the Buckeyes and Michigan, and he has Ohio State winning 62-10. Next up, Minnesota at Nebraska, a sneaky good football game. Yes. Yeah, go ahead, Ben. Well, the five, it's the $5 Bits and Broken Chair trophy. Yes, it this is. This is the most important um, Big Ten rivalry trophies of which there are many Ooh, um, whoa 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 whoa! i'm not gonna let you sit here and disrespect the land grant trophy like that oh oh excuse me excuse me i'm, I'm sorry to disrespect the uh, i will the allow land many grant things trophy. on this podcast but not that <laughs> that would be because that would be a form of um michigan state disrespect as well and we know no one likes that so um yeah so yeah nebraska minnesota um should be i mean do we know if Tommy Armstrong is is better? If he's going to be playing, or is he, is he done for the year? Seem like it, at least what I was able, what I saw. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, because that that was a scary moment on Saturday night. And you know, how do you recover from that if you're Nebraska, just like in that game? And then you know, if he doesn't play going forward. Um, that being said, Minnesota is the softest seven and two. I think. Maybe ever, maybe since um, maybe since Wisconsin last year, but um, they I think their wins are against um, Colorado State, Oregon State, Indiana State. Um, I know Rutgers and Maryland they beat, and then um, Purdue and I think Illinois also. Oh God! So there's they're seven and two thanks to all those wins. So <laughs> um, I don't trust the Gophers. Um, I think Nebraska will rebound and win this one um, 24-17. Yeah, uh, per Nick, Nebraska's reeling, but Minnesota almost gave away the game to Purdue last week. Then again, that seems like the time Minnesota would be most likely to pull a win out of nowhere. I just changed my mind while typing this. He has Minnesota winning by three. Uh, Kyle, what do you think? Um, just like, just, just over under this with that. Um, Average Big Ten fan watches how many minutes of Minnesota football a year? God. Well, I mean, I will, I will argue that the average fan watches one Minnesota game if their team is playing Minnesota. 
But then other than that, no. Other than that. Other than that. Yeah, no. Like what, like six minutes? Six minutes the rest of the year, maybe? No. I think the last Minnesota game I watched was their opener last year against TCU. Yeah. I think that's the last time I watched them. And that was also because that game was on a Thursday night, if I remember correctly. So. That's right. Yo, this is this is my only prediction because I, I'm I'm not saying anything about Minnesota football because I, I literally have not watched them play it down since twenty thirteen. <laughs> um and, and, and just just please appreciate the moment that Todd McShay, person paid to write <laughs> I knew you were going this way, Kyle. Put Mitch Leidner as a first round pick in the NFL draft. And then and then went and actually watched tape of him after and immediately dropped him to a fifth rounder upon watching him throw a football. Todd <laughs> McShay put put Mitch Leidner as a first round pick without ever watching him throw a dang football. Anyway, whatever. Um, probably probably Nebraska by about ten, I'd say. I mean the only thing that I'll say is that Mitch Leidner, at least in his current state, is simply not good enough to be a first-round NFL draft pick, and teams uh, deserve better. But that that's just the way I look at it. Uh, yeah, I already <laughs> read what Nick had to say. Thank you, I, was, I, was, I, I figured it out. I was waiting for the right time to bust out uh, and make fun of, you know, my, my old stopping grounds onward state, but it, it popped up organically, so nice. Uh, finally, um, hey guys. Oh yeah. All, all right. So guys, the way we're going to do this is I'm going to say the game and then both of you are going to laugh. Okay. Okay. All right, cool. Michigan at Iowa. <laughs> no, I'm not laughing at this. I have been sitting on this one. I, and if I, had I not deleted Twitter off my phone today and like locked myself out of it on the internet, I'd go find this. Middle of the summer, I, w- I have been calling Iowa to beat Michigan in Kinnick for months on end. I-, I was like high as hell on Iowa over the summer. Um, that turned you. out to be very wrong, but I can't walk away from this now. I'm on this island, like it's here. I've been tweeting in like June, like when I had Michigan boys in my mention, I was like, nah, y'all are gonna lose November 5th in Kinnick at Iowa. Y'all have a <laughs> Michigan, yeah. I'm going <laughs> flamingly, violently wrong on Saturday night, um, but I'm going. I'm going to live with, with it. Iowa 30, Michigan, Michigan 23. Yeah, I was going to say you're sticking to your guns, <laughs> which that's uh, that, that's respectable. Uh, and again, there's something I would like to say right now, but it would get me in a lot of trouble, so I won't do that. Ben, what do you think? Um, well, I I disagree with Kyle here. I just <laughs> same. Uh, amazingly enough, I, I just don't think it's um, going to happen for the Hawkeyes. I mean, th- th- this is, I knew when um, they gave Kirk Ferentz that um, that contract extension that this was the type of season that Iowa was going to have. It was just predictable. It's like when when they're when they're up on Ferentz, they do bad. When they're down on Ferentz, he goes 12-0 in the regular season. Um, Michigan wins this game 41-14. That's actually uh, a very good pick because Nick has Michigan 42-13. Um, I'm, I, I guess I have to say Michigan like 45-10 now. So, uh, But Nick wrote, I want Penn State to have a chance at the Big Ten Championship. So on Saturday night, we're all Hawkeyes. Unfortunately, that won't be enough. 
I think I agree with that assessment, and I also think I agree with the assessment that this was uh, one of the more uh, one of the sillier episodes of the podcast. So, guys, thank you, thank you, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to come on and just be goofballs. Thank you. That's what we're that's what we're about at uh, crimsoncourty.com. Yes, you nope. should. Go ahead, Kyle. I, I, I hate you. That's all I was going to say. I hate you. Thanks. Also, I'm going to start singing right now. Am I more than you wanted for yet? Are you not going to jump in? Are you not going to sing? I've been dying to tell you anything you want to hear. Because that's, that's just who, who I, I am this week. Yeah, whatever. That didn't go whatever. as well as I planned. Uh, but this podcast definitely went as well as I planned. Uh Thanks, everyone, very much for listening to this. Of course, follow us on all forms of social media. I've said it a million times. You don't need to hear it again. Uh, buy a shirt, the very nice shirt. Subscribe. SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play. Make sure you give Crimson Quarry a follow on Twitter, at Crimson Quarry. Give Kyle a follow, at Kyle R. Robbins. Give Ben a follow, at VT underscore Ben. They are definitely... I'm from uh, Vermont. What was that? I'm from Vermont. Ah, it's not Virginia Tech. <laughs> I was going to say, you seem, uh, you seem like a big Justin Fuente fan, but that works too. I, I am, actually. I think it's <laughs> awesome. I think it's a great fit in Virginia Tech. Yeah. But, yeah, <laughs> but of, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> yeah, but of all, uh, let's see, on Twitter, uh, I follow uh, 1,347 people. And of those 1,347, Ben and Kyle are definitely two of them. So uh, they're great. Uh, yeah. So, again, read the site. Uh, read Crimson Quarry. A lot of good stuff going on uh, about Don't. this game. And, you know, basketball scene is going to be fun, too. I'm sure we'll end up doing some really silly stuff with the guys during that. Uh, but, yeah, as always, again, thank you very much for listening. For my co-host, Nick Pollock, I am Bill DeFilippo. Take care, y'all.